podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Good morning and welcome to the Daily Red, a new short-form free podcast from AnfieldIndex.com. I'm Dave Hendrick and what we're going to do here every day is we're going to go through the latest Liverpool news and catch you up on what is going on in the world of the Reds. So the big news that's come out this morning... David Ornstein reporting that Jordan Henderson is close now to signing a new contract with Liverpool. There had obviously been some sort of dispute over the original terms of the offer from Liverpool to Henderson and his side. We're quite quick to go to David Ornstein and leak that. Ornstein reported back in July that the sides were some way apart, that things had stalled. And there'd been no real word since then. We'd had some people suggest here and there, that maybe a contract was getting closer, but nobody had really put any faith in. But this morning, Ornstein reporting that Henderson and Liverpool have reached some sort of an agreement. Uh, Things are moving in that direction. I think that's the direction of travel is the phrase that he used uh, for a three-year contract with an option for a fourth year. Now, he had two years left to begin with, so that's been torn up and thrown away. It appears like Liverpool are getting what they want in terms of years, which is the three years. He's getting the extra bit of money that he wanted, and then he's getting the the option of a fourth year. So that fourth year will be based on appearances. I'd imagine fitness will play a big part of it. So all things considered, I think both sides are getting close to what they want. They've met in the middle somewhere along the way. And it's obviously positive news for the club. Keeps that positive energy going that we've seen in recent weeks with the Trent contract, the Allison contract, the Fabinho contract. And of course, on Friday, we got the great news that Virgil had signed a new contract. So now we have Sadio, Bobby, Nabi, Ox, and then the big one is Mo. They're the five left who would have been out of contract in 2023. You'd imagine Mo gets done next. I would suggest Sadio's probably the priority after that. And then the last three are all interesting because obviously the Nabi deal, it hasn't worked to perfection. He hasn't established himself as a starter, which is what he was bought to be. Injuries have played a part in that, of course. So do they look to sell him next year? Or do they look to give him a new contract and extend that value on? Maybe this is the season that he can stay fit and play a big part in the team. Maybe this is the season that we finally see the Nabi Keita we've been expecting. He played very well against Norwich at the weekend. So hopefully we see more of that. We see more of Nabi playing as we know he's capable of doing. Ox then... I don't know that there'd be a new contract for. I do wonder, given his age, given how things have gone at the club for him since the dreadful knee injury, I do wonder if maybe we look to move him on in a year. And then with Bobby, I think Bobby will stay as long as we want him to stay. It's just a matter of what Bobby's role is going to be moving forward. Is he still a starter? Is he now a squad player? Is he going to be in a rotation? That's something the club will need to figure out with him. But I do think that Bobby stays. There's no real value in selling Bobby. That's something we need to be aware of. Bobby doesn't have the same value to other clubs that he has to Liverpool. Bobby's value to Liverpool 
is massive because of how we play and how he facilitates Mo, Mane and the fullbacks. How he drops into midfield. A lot of clubs won't want their striker to do that. Now, of course, Bobby can also play as a 10. He could play as part of a front two off a striker. So you will find clubs that would would like to have him. But how many clubs will appreciate nine league goals a season and ignore everything else he does? You know, there's a lot of clubs that would look at it by just the raw goal numbers and say, he doesn't score enough for us. We know what he offers to us and what he offers to us far outweighs any goal contribution he could give us. So Bobby's going to be an interesting one. Like I say, Mo is the next big one. Mo is the big one, if you want. Uh, Mo and Virgil would have been the two key ones. They're the two best players in the team, the two most important players in the team. Virgil, as the leader of the team, the organiser, the one that leads that defence, that sets how we play, that high line, that aggressive nature, that all that comes from Virgil. Mo, I mean, he's a, what is he now, a five-season wonder? He's just a phenomenal force of nature when it comes to putting the ball in the back of the net. And then he does so much more. We saw at the weekend how valuable Mo is. Two assists, whether he meant the one for Jota or not, I don't know, but he got two assists and he scored an absolute worldie, caused Norwich problems all day long. Uh, his performance against Norwich was a bit like watching Suarez against Norwich, where they were just terrified of him and he tormented them non-stop throughout the 90 minutes. Looking back then, obviously at the weekend, we did beat Norwich 3-0. Great way to start the Premier League season. We had seen United give an absolute walloping to Leeds, and they looked very impressive doing that. And we'd seen Chelsea win 3-0 as well. So, a little bit of pressure early on. You want to keep pace with your rivals. And we did that. And I think our performance was every bit as impressive as the performances by Chelsea and Manchester United. I think the 3-0 maybe flattered us a tiny bit. I think 2-0 or 3-1 might have been a better reflection of the game. But we did dominate the game for large spells. They had little patches where they were in control of the game. I thought they played well. I thought Rashika played well. Uh, Cantwell played quite well. The shithouse tackle, I loved it. Some people didn't. Billy Gilmore played quite well. There's a lot of good players in that Norwich team. But we exposed the weak points. And the weak points are lack of pace at centre-back and lack of experience in the full-back areas. Because Max Ahrens is still very young. And even though Giannolis is like 26, this is the first time he's playing in the Premier League. He's never seen anything like Mo Salah. So we did make the most of those opportunities to pick on players that we felt were maybe weak points. And not to say that Max Ahrens is a weak point. He's a tremendous right-back. But there are certain mistakes he makes defensively that I thought Sadio did very well uh, to expose. I thought Costas looked really good for about 60, 65 minutes. And then he had that weird moment where he didn't seem aware of his surroundings. And for about five minutes after that, he just seemed to be off the pace. Um, Tell you one thing, though. He hits a hell of a corner. He hits a hell of a corner. And he can shoot as well. There are two things Andy Robertson can't do. Now, Robbo does an awful lot of things better than Costas. But it is nice to have a good quality backup left back. We went years without even having one good left back. And now we've got two of them. We've got one great one and one good one. So that's always nice. Other positive signs from the Norwich game. Thought Joel Matip played well. 
Virgil gets 90 minutes under his belt. Ali makes a couple of big saves. The save in the second half towards the end of the game is phenomenal uh, and just shows why he's one of, if not the best goalkeepers in the world. I uh, thought Naby played well. Milner had a bad first half, grew into it a little bit, and then finished strong. My theory on Milner is, because he's now 36 and he's very, very slow, or he could be 35 going 36, but he's very, very slow. But Milner can maintain a pace for 90 minutes. And at the start of the game, that's a bit problematic because everybody else is moving at a far quicker pace. And we saw Milner struggle to get to balls and struggle to make tackles. But as the game slowed down and as everybody else got tired, Milner's natural uh, physicality and natural fitness meant he was able to just continue to chug along at that same pace through the game. And as everybody else's fitness and level dipped off in the opening day of the season, that's what's going to do. Milner's consistency just saw him through to the end. So bad 45, okay 15, and probably a good, no, not a good, but a better last 30. Ox was poor. That was disappointing having seen him be quite promising against Osasuna. It's just the unfortunate nature of what Ox's career at Liverpool has been. That's just it. There's nothing we can do about it. Hopefully he finds a little bit more consistency, a little bit more confidence in this game. But it is what it is. Mo looked great. Sadio looked much better. Jota scored. Didn't think he played all that well, but he did score a goal, and that's obviously huge. Bobby comes on and scores and plays well. Fab came on and was great. And Harvey Elliott got a run out. And I thought every time he picked the ball up, he looked like he wanted to do something. Wanted to make something happen. You have to love progressive young players who come into a game like that, Premier League game, absolutely fearless. Now, it helps that we're comfortably in the lead, but I think you could put Harvey into most games, and he just won't care who's on the pitch with him. He won't care what the circumstances are. He believes he's the best player on the pitch every time he walks onto it. And that's a great thing to have, is that kind of confidence. Right, to rattle around the latest Liverpool news, obviously the Henderson news is the biggest news of the day, uh, and hopefully we see that one signed in the next few days, and when we do, we'll put a news round out on Anfield Index Pro. Um, Paul Joyce reported yesterday that Ben Davies is set to complete a loan move from Liverpool to Sheffield United. So Sheffield United is still playing a back three system. He would be a natural fit on the left-hand side of a back three. Now, they do own Jack O'Connell, who, prior to his knee injury last season had been one of the better left-footed centre-backs in the Premier League in the season before when they finished in the top half. So whether O'Connell is going to play more of a central role, or maybe Davies will get some run at left-back, I don't know. It's a bit of an odd one. Now, O'Connell's not quite back yet. That knee injury's taking quite a while. I don't know if he's had a relapse. haven't really kept tabs on Sheffield United this summer, other than following what's going on with the manager... manager uh, managerial situation I should say but look as long as Davies goes and gets games we know he's a good championship player he was a good championship player with Preston before we signed him he can be a good championship player with Sheffield United and it should be a loan that benefits him and if it benefits him it will benefit the club as long as he gets minutes there and does well we can either bring back a more confident player in 12 months or we'll have a more sellable asset in 12 months it's a shame for him that he's never gotten a real game for Liverpool. It's a bit of a, a weird situation that he never even got 
10 minutes off the bench, five minutes off the bench. Uh, he disappeared from the squad for a, a period of time last season as well, which was an odd one. But we'll probably never under- fully get the truth behind, you know, why we signed him, what happened, why he never got any Premier League minutes at all. Um, so only goes to Sheffield United and best of luck to him. As I say, I hope it does, it does go well and he comes back more confident next summer and we can either sell him for a good price or Look, maybe he becomes a fifth centre-back for Liverpool. Maybe that's what he can be. Who knows? Fifth or sixth. Um, it's always nice to have a left-footed centre-back around the place. Just in case you do want to play a back three. But obviously Kloppo rarely plays a back three. And when he does, he tends to stick midfielders as the outside centre-backs. Uh, unless it's that last-minute substitution where he's bringing on a third centre-back. Then he'll go to a three. Um, so that's it from Paul Joyce. We have from The Athletic news this morning from Quiva O'Neill that um, Jordan Clarkson is set to join Blackburn Rovers on a season-long loan. Now, obviously, Harvey Elliott was there last season and did brilliantly. He had a sensational loan there, was one of the best players in the championship and even in limited minutes as I thought Tony Mowbray did a really good job at managing him and protecting him he developed really well under Mowbray in that Blackburn system Clarkson is from Blackburn this is his boyhood club this is the club he grew up supporting so good opportunity for him to go home be close to his family and his friends get minutes in a a very competitive league I mean the championship is after the top five leagues, and maybe you'd say the Turkish League, the Eredivisie, and even the Eredivisie is a questionable one. Maybe just the Turkish League and the top five leagues. The Championship might be the next best league in Europe, so it might be number seven. If you look top to bottom at the Championship, there's just a lot of good teams. Every season, obviously, you have three teams that have just come from the Premier League. But you also have a bunch of teams that came down in previous years. You've got a lot of big clubs there that aren't currently competitive for promotion. Like the Derby, Nottingham Forest. They're huge clubs. Um, we saw Villa spend three years down there and come back up. We've seen Wolves come up from the Championship. With much the same team and finishing the top half in the Premier League. Sheffield United did the same. Leeds did the same. So it's a very competitive league where teams are able now to step up with largely their championship team in a couple of editions and compete well in the Premier League, which will tell you that it's a very strong level. Very, very strong level. So it's going to be a tough, a tough test for Clarkson. He's going to have to deal with the physicality of it. And that's the big one. He is going to have to deal with the physicality of that league. It is not for the faint of heart. Um... George Calkin and James Pierce have written a follow-up piece to Quiva O'Neill's report on uh, Leighton Clarkson regarding why a lot of Premier League clubs now are trusting Blackburn as a club to send high-end young players. So that's quite an interesting piece to give a read to over on The Athletic. Melissa Reddy's done a wrap-up of the Premier League weekend. And she's gone with the line of Liverpool being overlooked for the title and how that plays into the you know the underdog mindset that Liverpool seem to prefer. Um, so check out her Twitter for that. Chris Bascombe seems to be on holiday. So, you know, who knows? 
Um, Neil Jones also reporting on the Leighton Clarkson deal and how Tony Mowbray and Mark Venus are big fans of, of Clarkson and how Clarkson is ready to test himself. For those that don't remember Mark Venus, uh, centre back for Wolves back in the 90s, a good player, left, left footed centre back if memory serves. But uh, yeah, that's kind of the main Liverpool journalists at the moment, what they've got to say, what they're reporting on. Um, over on AnfieldIndex.com, there is a, an article on Takumi Minamino. A profile on Takumi Minamino, which will be well worth your while giving a read, written by Stephen Smith, who's excellent. There is a piece on why Liverpool need to sell Jordan Shakiri, written by Sam Maguire. And there is a piece regarding Divock Origi and the conundrum surrounding Divock. That's also from Sam Maguire. Liverpool.com, uh, obviously a site that's caused some controversy in the past. Uh, they run with the headline, FSG U-Turn highlights Jurgen Klopp importance as Jordan Henderson contract extension nears. Um, Liverpool owners FSG looked reluctant to renew the contract of captain Jordan Henderson. See, that's not really what happened. That's unfair. That is unfair on the owners to suggest that they were unwilling or reluctant to do so. Um, there's also a bizarre article on Liverpool.com about why Ibrahim, Ibrahim Kanate could be the Fabinho backup as the defensive midfielder. Very, very strange. And um, there's one of those speculative transfer pieces Liverpool eye 40 million Real Madrid man as Reds given Alisson, Fabinho and Roberto Firmino scare. This is regarding the um, the quarantine rules that the players may have to face if they fly to Brazil for the internationals. Uh, it's basically suggesting that Martin Odegaard could be an option for Liverpool. Uh, nonsensical, doesn't fit how we play. Would fit if we played a different system, but we don't. Um, so you can ignore that one. This is Anfield. Again, major breakthrough in Henderson contract. Um, few other bits and pieces about loans. Uh, goalkeeper duo taste agony and ecstasy in dramatic weekend about some of the loan players. Thiago starts and Cade Gordon scores in secret Anfield friendly. Having been left out of the squad to play Norwich, Thiago and Jordan Henderson instead featured in a friendly at Anfield. Uh, doesn't really, doesn't say how they played, uh, but obviously it was a bit of a surprise. Now the athletic story that Ornstein wrote that Henderson shone, uh, didn't say anything about anybody else, but he shone. Uh, the Reds ran out 4-1 winners with, um, Curtis Jones, Divock Origi, Nico Williams and Kay Gordon as the scorers. Bit bizarre that Jones was able to play. Very, very strange that Jones was able to play if he wasn't able to play the Premier League game. Wonder if the club have taken a little bit of a risk there. Anyway, don't want to get too bogged down in that. Uh, also on Anfield Index you can check out our podcast from the weekend over on Anfield Index Pro. There is the post-match Raw show. There is a Rate Don't Hate that went up last night. 
And tonight, Mo Chatra is back with Money Talks. Uh, I believe he's got Tadiwa with him this week. So that's being recorded tonight. Will either be out tonight or tomorrow. So do check that one out. There will be um, many more podcasts to come. And I'll be telling you what they are as the week rolls on. So today is the first show. A little bit longer than planned. Uh, so apologies for that. I got a bit rambly in the middle. A little bit later than planned as well. So also apologies for that. The hope for this podcast will be out about noon every day. So noon every day you can just log on to whatever your podcast provider is or if it's the Anfield Index app. I do recommend everybody get the Anfield Index app and you can get all of our content. This podcast will just drop in noon every day, 15 minutes or so, just letting you know what's going on in the world of the red. Save you the time having to go and read up on it yourself or if there's anything that you hear me saying you want to go check it out, you'll know where to go. That's it then. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.